RadioInfluence.com. Welcome into the midweek edition of the MMA Report Podcast with Daniel Galvan. I am Jason Floyd. It is Wednesday evening, August the 10th, 2022. And we're here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. Daniel, how's it going, bro? Man, Jason, it's going good. I don't even know where in the hell we should start. We've got fights that happened. We've got three big fight cards this week slash weekend. We've got news and notes. You're getting ready for your first NFL preseason game. I just saw the first episode of Hard Knocks with Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell's got me ready to run through a wall. I don't know where the hell you want to start, my man. I I, want to start off with the question for you. Okay. And, you know, I'm... Uh, last night I was working late and I get home and like probably just about every other, you know, American, we, we sit on the couch after a long day of work and we decompress. And what do we do? We go down Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. you know, you, we go, I go down the rabbit hole. Okay. And, uh, so I'm going down my Instagram timeline and what do I see is I see a comment from Dana White who was asked about his opinions on the former president of the United States. And this is how this interaction went. Uh, another one of your friends, Donald Trump, yeah. just had his place raided. I was wondering if you had any thoughts about that. Yeah, um, I, it's it's madness, man. The, the, whole, the, whole, the whole world is crazy right now. I, I don't know what to think, and I don't know enough about it, and I haven't talked to him. I've, I've only seen bits and pieces on the news, so I, I don't know exactly what's going on, but... Um, I'll probably call him in the next couple of days. What? I didn't want to call him. Like, I'm sure he's, you know, got better fucking things to do than for me to call and say, hey, what's going on over there? Um, but I will talk to him in the next couple of days. Some people have mentioned that we now live in a post-constitutional America or a banana republic. Yeah, it's interesting, man. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to think about any of that stuff. I, I Again, because I don't know enough about it. But, uh, yeah, I can think of about, you know, w- without getting political right now and getting into all this fucking bullshit, but there's 10 other people's houses that probably should have been raided before, before his that haven't happened. So it be interesting to see how this plays out. Daniel, I, I just have a simple question for you. Why was that asked to Dana White at the post-fight press conference for Dana White's contender series out of a reporter trying to get a viral clip? Yeah, well, you answered your question right at that last second. He's just trying to get clicks. And it's kind of like a look at maybe what's wrong with, like, society in general, Jason. And what I mean by that is here is a thing that's happening. Let's not really talk about the facts. Let's just get a name and let's get your emotional opinion about it. Here's the click, right? Here's it's Mad Lips. We we live in a Mad Lips society. And bro, every video on YouTube with Dana White last last night has Donald Trump in the headline. Like, okay, I see what you're doing, but like, okay, I guess I'm looking at this as a consumer of a Dana White press conference. Like, and, and I'll tell you this right now. I have zero clue what's going on with Donald Trump. Have no idea what's going on. 
I, I outside of I know his house got raided. That's all I know. Because I just don't pay attention enough, Daniel. I got too much stuff going on. I don't have time to pay attention to that stuff. I, I got to worry about my own, my own stuff over here. But I'm, I'm just like, I am someone that when I am watching a sports press conference or, or sports in general, like, why are you interjecting politics into into the, the sport I love? Like, I understand that there can be a political side of the sport when you talk maybe about the regulatory side of things, how it work, whether or not California should allow Josh Quinlan to fight this Saturday after Nevada pulled him from the fight last weekend due, due to a drug test. Like, that, that to me, okay, from a political aspect, we can talk about that. But I'm just like, I, I see this clip on my Twitter, my Instagram, just like, what the F are we doing here? I mean, are, are we just in an immediate perspective where it's just like, what crazy things can I ask Dana White to get a reaction? And when there was that follow-up question, if you look at the facial expression Dana White has in his head, it's like, he's like, dude, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying banana Republic. You could just hear a pin drop afterwards. <laughs> it was so awkward. Uh, look, I personally, I think, Politics does have a place with sports just in terms of like the history of this country and other countries going back to, you know, uh, uh, John Carlos protesting at the Olympics to Bill Russell and Ali, the civil rights to right now with WNBA players and NBA players standing up for Brittany Griner going to the, the lockdown with the Milwaukee Bucks and, and what happened with Jacob Blake. I do personally believe politics has a place, right? That's what I believe. But that's when it makes sense because maybe an athlete has a point of view they want to get across or it's something that pertains to that athlete, right? Like you have a WNBA season going on and Brittany Grinders in prison. That's really relevant to WNBA and NBA players. But this seems very forced, right? The only reason why we're talking about this is because Dana's friends with Donald Trump. But it's not – it just didn't feel pertinent. It, it definitely I, felt like it was just meant to get clicks and we're talking about the contender series, which is not what we're talking about. We're talking about something like that. I mean like if I'm in a tennis era as a reporter and – you have no idea if you're going to, if you're going to San Diego, you have no idea if Danny White's going to be intense on Saturday in San Diego. Like why not sit there and, and try to get some content about the fights that are coming up on Saturday is I just, I saw that on my timeline. I'm just like, what are we doing here? Like, like as media, we can be better. Like, and, and there's, there's so many times that I see it on my YouTube, you know, subscriptions that, and I see people that I highly respect in the industry that I'm just like, God, you guys have gone the clickbait uh, route. I mean, but of course, I mean, the PFL does the same thing. I mean, you, you point out this tweet right before the show to me and um, our, our guy, Don Davis, one of the, uh, you know, head guys over there at PFL. So Cyborg was on Arahawani's show today. She announced that she's going to have a boxing matchup down uh, in Brazil. This is something that she has been wanting to do for some time. So good luck to her coming up in this matchup. And, of course, she's got free agency going on. And Don Davis, one of the, the head guys there at PFL, tweeted this. Fans want the fight. Fighters want the fight. I have watched and listened. PFL will provide all money and handle all matters. Kayla versus Cyborg, $1 million each fighter, $2 million winner bonus, pay-per-view super fight, no more talk, decide, 
the best inside the cage hashtag KO versus Cyborg. And like, look, the response by Chris Cyborg, whether it was her or somebody on her team, spot on, Daniel. She has the, the laughing emoji that says she gets an equal fight purse based on what? Being your champion, beating a fighter who's 12 and 13, all the pay-per-views she sold. Chris Cyborg, you win Twitter today. You won Twitter today. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, – it, it's wild. And I think there's a big thing you pointed out to me maybe before we recorded. And what is that about this thing going on on Twitter? Okay, so I, I tweeted about that. when we were, we were having a little technical issues behind the scenes here. We had to kind of adjust some uh-huh. things over here. And I tweeted this. I tweeted Don Davis' tweet, and you know he's not going to respond to it. And I said, as I see this tweet, immediate thought is this. Has PFL made this offer to Cyborg's management, or did they just send a tweet? Also, the reason the fight has not already happened is due to PFL having matching rights on Kayla. Another example why MMA needs unrestricted free agency. Yes, that's the most important thing. I agree with Don Davis when he says fans want this fight, right? You know, Chris Cyborg goes on the Emmy Hour. She announces this boxing match. Is it something that I'm excited for? I mean, no, she's taking on a boxer who has a 17 and 21 record. Has she fought Amanda Serrano? Yes. Her opponent, Simone Silva, has lost to Amanda Serrano in 2020. It's not something that interests me. Granted, Chris Cyborg has said that this is something she's really passionate about, getting into the boxing ring. And honestly, listening to the MMA Hour with Ariel, it sounds like Chris Cyborg is trying to get a fight here and then fight Katie Taylor next, maybe in December or January, and then come back to Bellator in the summer. Listening to the interview with Ariel, it sounds like even though Chris Cyborg is a free agency, she has a significant amount of loyalty to Scott Coker and Bellator. What Cyborg said in this interview is that she probably maybe has six or seven more fights left. The only time when there was maybe some pushback is when Ariel asked her, uh, are you going to retire in Bellator? And, and, and she didn't commit to that but it does seem like chris cyborg maybe going back to the strike force days loves being in business with scott coker loves the way she's treated now when asked if pfl has talked to her even though she's a free agent the answer is no not really and i think the most frustrating thing about maybe this fight is it seems like the biggest negotiations of chris cyborg versus kayla harrison this non-ufc super fight has happened either on twitter or on the ma hour with ariel helwani And Kayla Harrison appeared on Ariel's show today, and this is what she said. We can do winner takes all. We can do when she loses, she gets to keep her purse. If she needs help getting the deal signed, I will call PFL executives, Peter Murray and Don Davis myself and ask them for whatever price she wants. I'll go through full USADA drug testing. I will be drug tested every day from now until the fight if she's worried about that. She doesn't have to be drug tested at all. The only thing I ask is that they allow elbows so I can put one through her skull. And, and of course, I mean, look, it is part of this story to talk about is the fact of when Kayla Harrison was a free agent, she agreed to terms with Bellator. She signed a bout agreement to fight Chris Cyborg on the Hawaii show in April. Of course, we all know PFL had matching rights. PFL matched that offer. And Kayla Harrison, she got the bag. She got the bag. She's making a ton of money here. From a fight fan's perspective, of course, this is a fight that we all want. But 
I don't know, man. I just, for some reason, I just feel like it's, it's one of these things in combat sports that as fans we want, but we'll never see. I think we're going to see this fight for sure. But I, uh, I do, man. I really do. Look, I, we want it. It seems like there these two are far away, but it's one of those things where it is the most interesting fight for either fighter. Mm-hmm. At some point, if Chris Cyborg is going to fight five to six more times in her career, for the love of God, please, one time, let it be against Kayla. If it is true that Kayla is attached to PFL for two to three years, meaning she won't be in the UFC for that long, then that's a long time for this fight not to happen. I think it may not happen. What, I mean, look, if Cyborg goes out and she loses this to Simone Silva in this boxing match, she might be coming back with her tail between her legs and wanting to fight Kayla in a co-promoted event. Let, let me let me present it this way. And, and this is just throwing this out there, no inside information at all. What if you knew right now PFL has not even contacted Chris Cyborg's management? Does that change your opinion about that tweet? Well, no well it's because because like chris cyborg has kind of made it clear on the me hour that pfo hasn't done that or at least the talks haven't been serious at the very least that, that's so, what i'm saying instead I'm saying. i agree in, with you i agree with you 100 percent. instead it, it, of flame like look this this is my thing and and this goes back a couple of months ago when scott coker's like pfl you know my number pick up the phone and call me and it just it it feels like the PFL is more about what can we type and put on Twitter as opposed to making a business call, making things happen. And I just feel like the strategy doesn't really work. I don't know what the like I don't know if the strategy of 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 going about it in this manner will work in terms of getting this fight. The only reason reason why I see why the PFL is doing this is because they want to pressure Chris Cyborg into doing this fight under their banner solely so they can get a bigger portion of the profit and not split it in a co-promotional manner. It appears as though the only way this fight gets done is Chris Cyborg re-signs with Bellator and it's a co-promoted event. PFL, I believe, has a vision of doing their first pay-per-view of the year, Chris Cyborg, Kayla Harrison. That probably won't happen given that this fight's happening September 25th and these two are far away. If Chris Cyborg loses Simone Silva, possibly she fights December on pay-per-view with Kayla Harrison. At the end of the day, a million-dollar purse, theoretically a three million – Chris Cyborg taking a home $3 million could happen. But it's worth criticizing the approach that Don Davis and the PFO have had because it does feel very disingenuous the way they've gone about it. The problem is the PFL needs Chris Cyborg more than Chris Cyborg needs a PFL. Definitely, in terms of Cyborg can make big money on Bellator deals, on boxing fights. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, if if PFL cannot make Kayla versus Cyborg happen, what fight are they putting against Kayla on pay-per-view that gets you excited to fork over $50 because Don Davis has already revealed an interview with Aaron Bronson a couple months ago at the PFL pay review is going to be $50. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, at the, if it's not Chris Cyborg, you're looking at waiting for a, another UFC bantamweight fighter to get released from the promotion or fight out their deal. And that obviously isn't going to happen by December. I don't think. Right. So that's that's the only attractive option. There isn't anyone in-house that I can think of other than and and this fight is isn't even okay. 
this fight, the only fighter I can think of that maybe down the line is is a good Kayla Harrison fight. It's still not big on pay per view, but I don't know what her deal is. I know she retired, but Megan Anderson, I don't know if she's available or not. That she, is yeah, name. she's she did an interview two three weeks ago with Ariel, mm-hmm. and, and basically, yeah, she's she's at this point she has no desire to fight. Yeah, okay. Here's another name. Uh, doubt it will happen. You know what name I'm thinking of? Okay. Oh, oh, wait. Here's two names. One, Gina Carano, right? That's the, that. I mean, that's a bad. Like Kayla would destroy her, but Gina Carano does have a name value. Mm-hmm. You also might get canceled booking her, so maybe not. Uh, what the hell is the situation with Ronda Rousey and con- her contract? I, I would imagine she's still on her contract with the UFC. The technically, UFC? yeah. Okay. Well, that would be the only other one I could think of. Well, I mean, but like, <laughs> that would be the only other one I could think well, of. I mean, I, I think there's there's not exactly a uh, love loss between those two, but like yeah, if, if you're Ronda Rousey, like fun. with where Ronda is at her career, why would you come back for an MMA fight? Like, how, how how does that benefit you in terms of what you're doing in the WWE? The only reason why it would benefit you is your name is getting colder in the farther away she's not an MA fighter, and doing an MA fight could heat up her popularity again. That's the one benefit. But the downside is you're going to get destroyed probably. And not that Ronda wasn't a GOAT, one of the best fighters to, to ever fight, but it's been a long-ass time, and Kayla's just been grinding nonstop. Yeah. I, I think that fight would be – I think once you take the foot off the gas pedal, it, it's hard to get back on there. But you know, look if we're gonna if we're gonna criticize PFL, let me get this out of the way. Uh, talking about their fight card this past week, <laughs> I already know where you're going. I already okay. It's a partial blame on the PFL, partial blame on the New York State Athletic Commission. Um, yeah, I it is. It's this is tongue in cheek because yeah, I, it's not all their fault. But <laughs> dude, like so for dude. P, I, I would imagine probably all of our listeners know exactly what we're talking about. Main card starts last, uh, what was it, last Friday night? Yeah, last Friday night. Yeah. Rob Wilkinson and Delon Monte are in the cage. They are ready to go off. This sh- you know, should be a fun, stylistic fight, and that's what it ended up being. However, for those who may not know this, at least one ambulance has to be at the building for a fight to go live. Both ambulances that were working the event that night had left to go to the hospital to take other fighters to the hospital. I've seen this happen in regional MMA here in Florida. It does happen, but it's one. But I felt bad for the fighters. So like they're literally in the case, or probably like it. See, it seemed like ten minutes. But uh, that, that's a that's a partial blame on the PFL operations to not have a better understanding of what's going on there. Uh, but also, uh, that's on the commission as well. Look, I've watched a lot of Bellator, watched a lot of UFC. I've never seen a main card start with two fighters in the cage. I've never seen a main card start with two fighters in the cage, and they're prancing around in there for 10 minutes. I, I, I was looking at my notes to see if I wrote down the time. I felt like the fight started like at, at a, the 20-minute mark of the hour. And you know, after Stevie Ray won in the main event, they I don't believe they did a post-fight interview. I think they cut right away to lacrosse because they went over time. That's something I've never seen before. And to be the number two MMA promotion in the world, you just got to do better than that. You know – if you have this situation, don't send the fighters out there. Yeah. In the cage. Maybe 
maybe they didn't know that this was a situation until they were in the cage and someone was like, hey, bro, this fight can't happen. <laughs> I would like to know what happened here. I also feel like if one ambulance leaves, you should have another ambulance already on its way to replace the one that leaves. Like that should just be a thing that happens on a 10-fight card, a 12-fight card, because you never know. Well, so, I – I believe I'm correct in saying this, but you, you've contracted out two certain ambulances. I mean, that's just not that that's 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 you're asking for trouble. I guess that that makes sense. But you're asking for trouble. I mean, look, maybe in most locations, uh, the traffic isn't as bad. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, I mean, maybe in New York, you run into this problem. But look. All right, I, I crapped on the PFL. Okay, one other thing I want to crap on the PFL. And I'm, I've am i noticed this. No one else has noticed this. I brought it up to you. You haven't picked up on this. I am I just have issues in terms of I'm someone who can just get something on my mind and it just drives me nuts. I noticed this thing with the PFL broadcast that I'm sure it's been there the whole time. I just noticed it I was watching it on TV and not on my computer. Holy crap. Every time their graphic changes – and their graphics change a lot because they have like 47 statistics that change every single damn time a person throws a strike. Every time the strike changes, every time they change from strikes to takedowns, there's a damn noise that the graphic makes. And I know graphics make noise. I watch the UFC. The graphic comes in. There's like a whoosh or whatever. I swear to God, next PFL card, I'm going to count every single time I hear a graphic noise. because I swear I heard like 50 noises per round, and it was driving me nuts. Anyways, I'll get off my soapbox. Other than that, I enjoyed the card. That was a great opener. I love that opening fight between Wilkinson and Demonte. Oh, yeah, like if people did not see that fight, go on ESPN Plus, just watch it. That was yes. fun. That was a fun fight. Like, yeah, you know, I, I'm, unfortunately, I mean, like for the PFL, that really should be the talk of what they did out there. I mean, and, and obviously Stevie Ray, well, what he did out there being Anthony Pest, Anthony Pest now one and four in the PFL. Uh, kind of crazy how things ha- have gone for him. Um, Who's your pick between? Okay, so we have Aubin Mercier who beat Alexander Martinez very convincingly and Stevie Ray, you know, utilizing his wrestling and grappling. You know, Anthony stand-up looked okay in that fight, but just Stevie Ray is really good. So we have Stevie Ray versus Aubin Mercier. Who do you have in the finals? I, I, I'll go Stevie Ray. I like Oliver Aubin Mercier. I, I think it's a close fight, but dude, Oliver looks like a strong dude and he's always impressed me. Excuse me. I, I think that division – is a very impressive division in Bellator, and I like both those guys. And then, look, I like uh, – it's close, but I think I like Omari Akhmedov to beat Rob Wilkinson only because I feel like Omari's going to wrestle with Wilkinson. You know, Wilkinson's a really fun fighter to watch on the feet, but you look at what Akhmedov was able to do against the replacement Josh Silvera. So coming up, these two fights, I like Akhmedov and Alvin Mercier to win their respective tournaments. Watching the Omari and Silvera fight, which was an interesting dynamic fight because Josh had helped out Omari throughout this tournament, get ready, and of course we all know that situation played out. But like as I was watching that fight, the, the media thought I had in my mind was like, you look at where Josh was at the beginning of this year. He was a double champion LFA, being their middleweight and light heavyweight champion. Gets into the PFL Challenger Series, ultimately gets into the PFL tournament, comes in as a replacement in, into the semifinals. It just made me kind of made me think, like, if you're a prospect, like, you got to be considered a PFL because you're literally potentially four or five fights away from being a millionaire. I mean, you think uh, 
I think Bo Nickel could have just entered this PFL tournament and, and left it a millionaire. Dude, Bo Nickel is the real deal, bro. He's the real deal. I mean, he looked amazing last night. I mean, he's needed <laughs> what? 90 seconds to win two fights? Dude, this guy's unreal. Like, and this is what sticks out to me about Bo Nickel, bro, is the type of athlete he is. The way he moves from, like, the the, the scramble. he in, in this fight in the contender series that we're talking about, he, he won, like, I told you, bro, I need to watch this fight before we record, and it took me about 90 seconds to watch it, so I didn't need that much time. Uh, just boom, double leg. Uh, the guy scrambles up, but immediately Bo goes for that front control, the guillotine choke, and just so fast he scrambles to the back. This guy's like hips. The way he moves, he's a different breed, bro. This this guy athletically is different, and it appears as though he is working his ass off to, 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 to elevate his skills. We just don't have an opportunity to see his skills because, I mean, he's in and out like like nothing, like a light, man. This is what Dana White said about Bo Nickel after last night's fights. He goes, he's 1-0, 2-0 now. Fought a kid that was 3-0. May it look real easy. Let's get him one more fight and let's test him. If he gets past that with flying colors, we'll bring him in and we'll give him a fight in the UFC. I think only one guy is coming at 1-0 and did anything, and I think it was Brock. And to be honest with you, I don't remember. Brock was something like that. So, yeah, he's a stud. I don't know what else he could have done to look any better. He looked incredible. The only reason I didn't sign him tonight is because he's 2-0 now. He's. We've got eight more weeks of this. Why don't we get another fight in here again? You know what I mean? It just makes sense. And I was listening to that post-fight press conference, and the thing that stuck out to me the most is, like Dana White essentially admits, yeah, um, I have no idea who these guys are before I sit down on a Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you know, Dana's Dana's a busy man, so it makes sense. But yeah, that's but that's kind of in the theme of the season, right? He's like, I don't know who you are. Entertain me, right? I don't care. I, don't- <laughs> Dude, I was uh I was listening to Annika Florian and they were talking with Ray Cepho and of course he's a coach uh the coach of Charlie Campbell who lost and he's like he's like, Man, he's like, you know, we're getting ready for the fight. He goes, I gave my pet talk to Charlie, feeling good. And he goes, damn, Dana comes up here and just gets them all riled up even more. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. he's like, man, he's like, he goes, he goes, he goes, didn't have anything to do with it. No, but like, it, it's one of these things with the contender series. Like you just know if you're a fighter, like Dana's mindset is I need you to go balls to wall. Show me one a UFC contract. He don't want to see you be defensive. He wants you to see. He wants you, your face, to be a nevertheless punching bag, and hopefully you don't get knocked out. And you knock your opponent out. Yes, yes. I mean that's it, you are his entertainment. Uh, this is very much like a Roman king just sitting down at the Colosseum, and he's like, "I want blood and guts." But yeah, to talk about him, maybe not knowing about these guys, he talked about how he was shocked about the Eric Silva fight, where it looked like, and I haven't seen these fights. I've only seen the Bill Nickel fight, but he mentioned that. One of these guys, his opponent should have been fighting in a different weight class, that there was just too big of a size. So it speaks to that. When it comes to Bo Nickel and signing a UFC contract, dude, is there really that much of a difference between the resume of someone like Bo Nickel and Juliana Miller, who's two and one and now, or now three and one? And by the way, both deserve to be in the UFC. 
But it's like, yeah, Bo Nickel should just be in the UFC already. Like, what are we doing here? Like, come on. He's really damn good. He doesn't need to fight the best in the world. There's a UFC fight card every single week. Bo Nickel versus Joe Schmo <laughs> is going to fit right into any prelim card. I mean, I looked at the San Diego card. I was like, damn, this is in the Apex. But, bro, I think uh, it's not in the Apex, obviously. But I, I thought it was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. card. You look at that fight card, you think it's an Apex card. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was in a, I thought it was actually in a closet in the Apex. You, you realize... This is the first of three straight UFC events in front of crowds. So do they need to sell tickets at the other shows or what? You got Salt Lake City next week for the pay-per-view. Then you've got, uh, then the following weekend, they have no shows. And then the weekend after that is Labor Day weekend and they will be in Paris. What are the liquor laws in, in Utah? Is it okay, I. I went, I did it. I did cover a Bellator event in Salt Lake City, and I remember getting beer was not a problem. Oh, okay, so never mind. I was going to say, I was, I was wondering, because I know two bosses fighting in, in France, so I was wondering maybe if two bosses are going to fight on 278, but they told him it was in Utah, and he's like, never mind. But <laughs> yeah, you know, that's good, man. Yeah, uh, God, that this fight card that we're going to preview later is, is, is not great, but yeah, man. Great, uh, great main event. Great main event. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, that main event is baller. I mean, but. Jesus, something on Bo Nickel I mentioned. I was thinking about this last night yeah. after he got the win, and it made me think about like for the history of the UFC, they have relied on regional MMA promotions to develop talent for them, mm-hmm. and it made me think about like if you're the UFC, why not just sign a guy like a Bo Nickel and say, you know what? Yeah, uh, we know who you are. You know, kind of essentially take the Bellator method and go, hey, we know you need time to develop. We're going to give you those developmental fights, but it's just going to be in under the UFC brand. I, It's one of those things I do wonder at some point, could we see the UFC do kind of a, a switch here and, and almost like like kind of to take a, a, a analogy from the WWE, have an NXT as you know, like you think about back in the day. I viewed the WEC as the minor leagues of the, of the, you know, as a minor league farm system for them to develop talent at the lower weight classes. Like, if you're the UFC, why not create that kind of brand? Or is there a concern if you create another brand that fuels fire to the antitrust lawsuit? Yeah, I think that might be a part of the concern. I think maybe a reason why they don't do that is because they feel as though it exists now with promotions like LFA and, and, you know, Cage Fury to an extent. Basically, anyone that's on UFC Fight Pass. Oh, it feels yeah. like those promotions have a great relationship with the UFC. And a lot of those fighters that are successful in those main events and in those feature fights make their way to the UFC. So because those promotions fill a need, I think that that's why we won't see a, like an NXT type of show. I mean, Dana White's Contender Series is very much like an NXT type of show, but it's only on, you know, what, 10 weeks, right? Ten? How many weeks is it? 12? Uh, is it 12? 12 weeks, I think. 12 weeks. So it's only on 12 weeks, and the difference between the Contender Series and the NXT is there's kind of like that immediacy of, like, it's a one-fight thing and we're trying to sign you. Um, so that's the difference. I will say I think down the line we'll probably see a UFC version of NXT just because we live in a world where people are just making so much content, right? Like Peter Murray was on the MA Hour and he's like, we're going to have a PFL in every country and in every city and et cetera, et cetera, and, and yada, yada. And it's like we don't need more MMA but whatever. Uh, will the UFC do more MMA? Will they do like a, prom- a developmental promotion? 
Probably, but for the love of God, some of these prelim cards look like developmental promotions. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Look, here's the thing about Bo Nickel. Bo Nickel could go in the UFC today and beat UFC fighters because mm-hmm. because his skill set of wrestling and athleticism are so much better that whenever he's just going to use those skills and, and eliminate guys, take them down, get on top, submission or ground and pound. Okay, so that's going to happen, right? But the probable nickel is you don't want to match him up with a top 15 guy right now because he's going to run through him. For Bo Nickel, what's really important is in this career for these next few years, it's not about the fights in the cage. It's about the time in the gym to get the experience. That's really what we're talking about in terms of the delay of him getting at the UFC. The fights in the cage really don't matter. Bo Nickel looked like I today when I went to work looked like I had done more athletically after I took my morning dump when I got there than Bo Nickel when he got his hand raised after his fight, right? So in the cage, there's not going to be a lot of learning, but it's all about outside the cage. I mean, you know, speaking of Juliana Miller, um, it's been five months since the ultimate fighter. This is a fighter, Juliana Miller, who's like two and one, four years experience fighting in the cage. Well, by golly, she looks dramatically better because it's been a whole year since we've seen her fight. These are the pivotal years in a development of a fighter. So it's an important thing for him to get that experience in the gym. He's going to grow exponentially. You know, by the way, I saw uh, someone mention this. They were talking about, you know, Juliana um, Miller paying homage to DX. And someone said, what year were you born? I think she said 97. And DX was like born in 96. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I will say this. I will say this. I will say, was she born in 97? That's depressing. Oh, my gosh. I'm 95. I will say this. I was born in 1995. DX was back in 2006 when I first started watching wrestling. They they did a reunion, and they were feuding with Vince and Shane McMahon. And uh, so I will say, but she, the, she, yeah, so I will say DX, big part of my childhood. And I was born in 95, Jason. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that you're just making me feel like an old man over here. Well, I'm already looking at it. It's just my birthday. I'm, th- I'm 27 now, so you know I'm not a young buck anymore. I mean, half these people on this fight card that happened this past week uh, are younger than me. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, the story of UFC Vegas 59 was we had nothing but finishes, and we should have known something weird was going to happen after the first fight of the night. Yeah, dude. What did you think of Myra Silva and uh, Stephanie Egger? Bro, I'm sitting here in the office, and I'm just kind of like, okay, well, that's an interesting way to start the night. Hopefully, this isn't a precursor or something else weird going on. And, you know, the one thing you ultimately find out about this is that Chris Tyone did the proper protocol when this situation happens. I mean, you know, it's not... You know, I never thought I would see a day where the UFC would not have a camera angle on whether or not a fighter tapped or not. But Ron McCarthy is the judge that is literally right there. He sees the tap. We see it all goes down. I mean, it's one of these things where like, it's great to be a sportsman in this business, Daniel. But being a sportsman might have could have potentially caused a point of Silva her second paycheck of the night. And it at least was an awkward way of, uh, that's true, right? She could have got a performance of the night. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. 
if Ron McCarthy does not see it. Oh, yes, you're right. You're Tyone right. could have called a no contest. So then she would only got her show money. There would have been no win, win bonus money. You're right. You're totally right. Um, if that would have happened, the UFC should have given her the bonus, like the win bonus. <laughs> but, dude, Stephanie Egger needs to already apologize to whoever gets their arm broken because this fight took place. No, no. She needs to go to a better acting coach. Well, dude, yeah. The thing is, like, it was wild, bro. Like, Stephanie Ecker acted like me trying to get out of, like, line to, like, my girlfriend or something where she's just like, <laughs> I'm going to shut down after I tapped out and pretend like no one saw that. Like, that's the most weirdest reaction I've ever seen. She's just, like, in the distance. And it's such an interesting juxtaposition from Michelle Watterson when we saw her fight and she admitted to tapping. And that was great sportsmanship. Look. Uh, Stephanie Edgar and Myra Silva, they need to fight again. They need a rematch. I want to see Myra Silva fight Stephanie Edgar because this is why. This is a hell of a storyline, right? Myra Silva, a pissed off Myra <laughs> versus Stephanie Edgar, too. Holy crap, I want to see that. That's a story, bro. That's professional wrestling. I love it. I want to see her slap on that arm bar and do like a Rosamir Powell Harris impersonation because if Edgar tapped, and it's an if. Because the only person who saw it is the judge, and, and I believe I heard somewhere Herb Dean said he saw it too. Uh, if she tapped, that's 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 really messed up that she didn't own up to it. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, to me, the, the biggest star uh, of UFC Vegas 59 outside of what Jamal Hill did, to me, it's got to be Jeff Neal. When you, you talk about the biggest surprising results of UFC Vegas 59, it's got to be Jeff Neal going out there and doing what he did to Vicente Luque. Yes, dude. Uh, there was uh, there was a quite a few impressive performances. Jeff Neal was one. I mean, whenever he fights a finish, right? <laughs> but yes, Jeff Neal was one of them. This fight on the feet, Jeff Neal to me showcased great accuracy and great power. Like he looked really good on the feet against Luke and and maybe Luke should try to grapple a little more. But yeah, I mean, Jeff Neal was really man. I want to see um, you know which fight I want to see, bro. I want to see Jeff Neal take on Shavkat Rachmanov. That's a okay. Yeah, I like that. That's a fight. I don't think Neil's going to want to take because, well, I don't think there's anyone in this weight <laughs> class that wants to take on Rockmanoff. But that's a that's a hell of a fight. You know what I thought was interesting, and you know, because Jeff Neal still talked about that he still works in the restaurant business. He he enjoys being a waiter, and, and you know, and obviously there's a lot of people are talking, you know, are making this a fighter pay issue, and and he's talked about. He goes, I just love doing this, guys. Like, I'm not doing it for the money. He goes, I just love doing it, and it kind of made me think about. Like, you hear fighters all the time talk about that. There's things you do to get your mind off the fight game, and I just feel like with Jeff Neal. What gets his mind off the fight game is going to work in being a server in a restaurant. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a that's an interesting choice. But it it's really important, I think, in life to have balance, bro. Like, no matter what you do, it's good to have that balance, right? Especially, uh, especially as like a fighter. Like, that's a very mentally taxing job. And mm-hmm. you know, for me, my balance is working freelance broadcast games. I enjoy working with my great friends. I, I guarantee you, Jeff loves his coworkers. So yeah, I mean, Dude, Jeff, like I've been working. Uh, this is now, so well, it's, it's the our first game is Saturday, but officially my 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 Buccaneer season number nineteen started about two weeks, two three weeks ago. And, and I love the people I work with. I mean, look, we will. Uh, we're a, we're a tight knit crew. 
we've been, we've all been around each other for, you know, most of us have been around for each other for 15, 16, 17, 18, 20 years after the game is over. We're all going to go out and we're going to have dinner together. Like we, yeah. we enjoy being around each other. We, we, we love hanging out. We, we hang out with each other year round. Dude, that's what life is all about, man. And it's about making those moments and those memories with your friends and enjoying it. And if you can work with people you enjoy, it's a hell of a deal. I mean, you, you do mixed martial arts. It's pretty hard to work with someone you enjoy because the person you're working with is trying to kick your ass. But other than that. <laughs> Dude, no, no, no. Uh, Jay Perrin, who's on the show two weeks ago, we were, uh, I forget how it came up, it, but Facebook comes up. Yeah. Homeboy got a 48-day ban from Facebook. You know why? Why? He told his teammate he was looking forward to punch him in the face that day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, Facebook's got to chill out, or they need to work on their moderators. That's hilarious. Yeah, they thought it was a thousand threat. He told, he told me, I, I, said, I was like, did you say 48 days? He's like, yeah, 48 days. He goes, he goes literally, I'll come out of Facebook jail the week of my fight. Damn, it's probably going to be the best thing that ever happened to him. <laughs> That's hilarious. Dude, can I tell you, there's one guy in this fight card that really stuck out to me as someone the UFC can build around. Who do you think I'm thinking of? Non-main event. That they can build around. Or just this is a star guy. Potential. Great personality. Terrence McKinney. It's close. That's, I mean, that would be a good answer. Terrence does a hell of a job, and maybe Terrence will fight Patty Pimblett next. No, no, way, no way the UFC books that fight. No way. Yeah, McKinney would probably kick his ass. M- McKinney's too, McKinney <laughs> yeah. is too well-rounded. Yeah. And, yeah. And now, may, maybe a year or two years from now, but like yeah. in the next six months, I w- if you told me that that fight got booked, I would be shocked. Yeah, Terrence, Terrence is a killer. He, he's really good. But um, Brian Battle. Okay, so, all right, all right. I, I, I thought you were going to go Mo Usman. I was going to start shaking my head a little bit. Yeah. By the way, we got to get to Mo Usman because I, I got to talk about something. But with uh, Battle, I just want to say, okay, first off, great not head kick uh, finish. Kind of destroyed the dude. Brian Battle's personality is top tier. Listen to his post-fight press conference, also his post-fight interview, and his look. Brian Battle is someone the UFC needs to look at. Him and Juliana Miller and Terrence McKinney on this card. These are the three most interesting people when it comes to their um, promotion ability. So keep uh-huh. an eye on them. Let me talk about Usman. Usman might be the most underrated fighter, and I'm going to tell you why. I think this is what happened. We heard about Usman because he's Kamara's brother back in the day, right? And he was, he was not impressive at all throughout his entire pre-Ultimate Fighter career. And then we're just like, well, lame duck. Hey, man, he won and he won his fight. You know, did he lose round one against Zach Paga? Yes, but he showed his power. He still hasn't been training for that long, and he, he, he won the ultimate fighter, you he, know. He beat a light heavyweight, bro. He did, but, he, you know, he beat a heavyweight in the semifinals. I if I feel like we have – I feel like we as an MMA community are biased against Muhammad Usman. No, no, no. Because if, he's Kamara's brother. If his last name is not Usman, he does, he's not thought of in the same way he's thought of currently. And look, like I'm not trying to crap on the dude. I'm just saying that I want to see him do it against UFC heavyweight competition. I feel before like- I before I'm willing to say I because let's not forget he lost in the PFL before going on the Ultimate Fighter. 
Did people not watch the Ultimate Fighter? Like, even <laughs> Dana White goes, yeah, it wasn't my favorite season. Which, hey, I, man, which I, okay, I took as Dana White saying this season sucked. Well, maybe maybe I just took it that way. I'm wrong, but that's the way I viewed it. And I, I, dug, I, I watched I a couple it. episodes. It was not good. I dug it. I, I enjoyed it, but maybe it's because it's been like 10 years since I've seen it. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was a good season. I enjoyed it. Look, this is what I'll say about Moe's, Mont. He's, he's someone who, what, he's been fighting for, since like 2017, so it's been a few years. Uh, what I liked is, you know, he showed his power. What I liked about him is it appeared as though, you know, it, it, he really impressed me in the semifinals against Eduardo Perez. I feel like Eduardo Perez is a, is a good heavyweight, and, and he beat him. And again, it's he, he's in a good, he's in a good camp. I look, I don't think Usman's going to come in and, and do become a heavyweight champion. I don't think he's going to be a top fifteen heavyweight, right? You match him up with Sergey Spivak. I like Spivak to to beat Usman in a big way. But I do think Usman's a bit underrated because I feel like he got a lot of flack and maybe deservedly so. But he deserves some applause because he was an underdog against Pauga. And, man, he starts the hell out of in round two. He He did. He did. No, no, you got to give the guy. I just – I saw some people say some things on social media that – I just felt like they had never watched my Usman fight before Saturday night. Maybe it's because we, uh, yeah, maybe it's because you see, you're probably more on social than I am in terms of like the MMA community. Whereas my intake of MMA is I'm just watching like, I'm watching like good, like good analysis. I'm watching people who know what they're talking about. And everyone was fading Mo Usman, right? Like everyone was I, like, I, well, I mean, yeah, it, Usman was a substantial underdog in this Yeah, one. everyone was like, Pog is going to beat this dude. So that's that's my point of view. I'm not really into like the casual mixed martial arts, like social media, Twitter point of view. But yeah, yeah. No. Anyways, let's talk about these good dudes in the main event. So Jamal Hill goes out there, gets the win, looks great. Um, you know, obviously Tiago Santos, things have just not gone well for him since that loss to John Jones. And uh, you know, I was looking at this top ten of the UFC heavyweight or light heavyweight division, and the thing that just floored me, Daniel. None of these guys are booked. Mm-hmm. The only guys I saw that were booked, and I accidentally booked one of them before I found out, not a top 10 guy. Dustin Jacoby's got to fight with Khalil Roundtree in October. I'm and actually I, talking to Dustin tomorrow. Okay, hell yeah. Well, I have him booked in a fight. Okay, can, that was... Uh, I'm interested to hear Dustin's thoughts tomorrow. Okay. Because... When that fight guy announced, I'm like, why is he not fighting a rank guy? 100%. 100%. Now, yeah. look, this is why that fight got announced, because that's a badass fight. Khalil and Dustin Jacoby is two great strikers. Yes. That's why that fight got booked. So Dustin's fighting style, almost like, if Dustin Jacoby was like a wrestler, he probably would have got a top 15 guy, ironically. But he just... uh there aren't a lot of like exciting strikers in top fifteen, in my opinion. I mean, there's a, there's like five out of maybe six out of fifteen, but you know, look, yeah. So yeah. No, but, the, uh, the the one thing that did stick out to me when you look at the the top ten UFC light heavyweights, the first American ooh, in the top that. ten is number six, and with Anthony Smith, who's and out like, for a, a you know a lengthy period of time. How many other Americans are there on that list? Was it Span? Is Span American? Uh yeah, so Span's not quite top ten yet. He's no, he's no, he's but, on the verge. But you no, got but Jamal Hill, Jamal Hill, Dom and Dom Reyes. 
Oh. Outside of that, it's all international fighters. So, oh, Jacoby too. Um, oh yeah. yeah, but you're, you're talking about Titan. I'm sorry. So basically, like, what I did was I pulled. I got the champion Yuri, and then the top nine challengers. So top ten. Yeah. So, so I've got Yuri Glover, Jan Ankalaev, Rakic, Smith, Hill, Reyes, Ozdemir, Santos. So here's what here's what I screwed. Up. Here's what had me in trouble. I didn't understand the timetable. I don't know the timetable on three guys. Jan, Smith, and Rakic. I believe all three have had surgeries. So uh, Rakic is out with a torn ACL. So you're you're probably talking best case middle of next year, probably best mm. case scenario. Mm. Um, Anthony Smith. Uh, I listened to him on on his podcast with Bisming. Uh, he was going to have surgery. He's actually working the the show this weekend in, in San Diego. Um, you know, he's he he basically you know he, he kind of he didn't he didn't put a time frame. But it kind of seemed like probably mid twenty twenty three is probably when he's coming back. Um, so those two guys, I just wrote out. I just wrote out. Uh, <laughs> so here's here's why I went. I went Yuri versus Glover. It's a fight Yuri wants. I I think the UFC gives Glover the rematch for what he's done for the company. Then to me, Jan versus Ankalive makes makes the most sense. This is where then it gets tricky. Jamal Hill, you come off this great win. I think unless someone gets injured, I put him against Vulcan Olsemir. We have the same three fights. <laughs> we have the same three fights. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then I went uh, Dom Reyes versus Tiago Santos. I thought they kind of both have been on skids. Uh, Dom's been out for a long time. Um, yeah, I know he's, he uh, wanted to rest his brain after those losses, so I thought that fight made the most sense. That's a good one. I uh, This is where we differ, but I could be talking to this. So first and foremost, you look at this light heavyweight division. Okay, so first off, Jamal Hill had the most impressive performance of the three light heavyweight contender fights, right? Mm-hmm. Jan, the Jan versus Rakic fight, the injury ham- hampered that one. Ankalaev versus Smith. Ankalaev's one was more impressive than Jan's, but the injury hampered that one. Jamal Hill beat Thiago Santos, and Santos didn't go down with an injury. Thank God. Jamal Hill's stand-up was just really darn good. And he showed a gas tank in cardio. So when I look at this light heavyweight division, just like you, I was like, let's do a rematch. Then you have three guys and only two chairs. And I just felt like Ankalaev and Jan are more in that two, three spot in that weight class. It's the biggest no brainer. Number one contender fight. It's the type of situation where Jamal Hill should probably look at himself as someone who can serve as the replacement fighter for either that fight or whenever Yuri and Glover two fight in our hypothetical dreamland. All right, let's look at the rest of the weight class. All right, first off, I'm going to book this fight. I don't even – I think Shogun might be top 15. I'm not sure. He might not be. But I'm just going to book this fight. This is totally unranked, guys. I just want to see it. These two guys don't need to be fighting young guys anymore. Shogun-Gustafsson rematch. All right, let's give Gustafsson a retirement fight. All right, let's do it that way. Let's, let's do one out for the old guys. All right, now here's what we have left to work with. I booked Anthony Smith – or Alexander Rakic versus Dominic Reyes. Whoever's back first will put him against Dominic Reyes. I do like the Santos fight, but I actually had Santos versus the winner of Jacoby and Roundtree because okay. I actually wanted to book Santos versus Dustin Jacoby, and then I realized Dustin Jacoby had a fight. So I want to see Santos Jacoby. I think that might be a stand-up affair. I think um, – oh, crap. I, want, I forgot about this thing about Jamal Hill, and it was a point I wanted to bring up. When we started watching mixed martial Schwartz, it was all about defending the takedown. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, with the way rounds are scored, just as important as defending the takedown 
is getting up. It's okay to get taken down nowadays if you can scramble up within a second. That takedown barely matters when it comes to scoring a round because we're looking at effective striking or effective grappling. Jamal Hill's ability to get up the second his butt hits the ground was really good. Didn't defend the takedowns, but he got up. So that's a, that's important. So, yeah, those are my matchups. I mean, it, it's just to me, the, the part was like the fact that none of these guys are booked against anybody. That, that was the part to me that I was like, holy crap, man. You, you just don't see that happen very often. I mean, and I think we're going to see kind of a domino effect as we go throughout here. Uh, but uh, moving ahead to this week, uh, Daniel, plenty of mixed martial arts action to consume over the next couple of days. You want to how, how do you want to get into this? You want to <laughs> we have so much. You want to just talk about. What fights interest you this weekend, man? All right. Uh, On the UFC card are clearly the main event. Great, great matchup on on the main event. Uh, Lanweer Onama, I think, could be a a fun matchup there. Um, Outside of that, man, on the UFC, Hill Godinez. Um, Osborne Tyson Nam, I think has a, has a recipe for being a fun fight over on, on Bellator. Um, I like the main event between Neiman Gracie and, and Gochi Yamauchi, but I am kind of wondering, could that be not exactly the, the most, uh, fun fight to watch there? Uh, Vanderford Jeffrey, I think would probably be my number two fight on the Bellator card. Then over on the PFL show, which, uh, by the way, is in three different stages. I, I think you've got a prelims, main card, then the postlims. Um, I mean, all of them have significant matchups. The the Carlos Lee Sabadu C fight is probably the fight that interests me the most on the PFL show. Yeah, yeah, especially because he's coming off that win over Rory. I'm still I'm still pretty partial to Rory McDonald. He's been in a rut, just like Anthony Pettis in the PFL, but I'm still partial to watching him fight. He's still a name in my book. And, you know, he may have an opportunity to rematch with C in the finals. For me, when it comes to what's drawing me to PFL, it's more so the environment of going to England. Mm-hmm. Um, the, that is what I'm excited about. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to the, the environment there in England. Um, Bellator 284. Yeah. Gracie Yamuchi. I think that might be exciting on the ground. Like because Yamuchi Gwichi really reminds me of Charles Oliveira the way he fights in terms of entertainment. Uh, he's really he's really a fun fighter to watch, and he makes things interesting even when things aren't going his way. Um, Ilima Lay is always someone who's appointment viewing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to her versus Bruna Ellen. Steve Mowry finally gets a big fight in Moldovsky. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a good one for me on, on UFC. Uh, this is a very important fight for Nina Nunez against uh, Cynthia Cavillo because, look, this is kind of put up or shut up time, I think, in the career of Nina Nunez, mm-hmm. who, uh, who's a longtime veteran, well-respected, 36 years old, big fight against Cavillo. Nunez has some good skills. Uh, now it's time to put it all together. Now it's time to go up against Cavillo and defend her takedown and show whether or not she can make some type of run at 115. She's got a lot of experience training with the best in the world. Let's see if it happens. I don't necessarily know if it will. Ariana Lipsky, Priscilla Cachera, uh, and also that fight that was supposed to happen with uh, the the tra- the guy with the trace. What the hell is this? Is that fight going to happen, the fight with the guy with the trace, or no? Uh, when I looked the other day, it was not on the official fight card. Oh. I think it was a situation where 
maybe California had just not looked up. I was actually looking up something else because um, I want to mention about Nia Nunez. I'll look up that Josh Quinlan thing here. Uh, but Nia Nunez, I thought uh, there was an article over on MMA Junkie uh, this week that uh, was titled, Nia Nunez didn't follow wife Amanda in split from ATT. We'll train there until I finish my career, which I thought was a. That's crazy. I didn't see that. Yeah. Dude, that's insane. Uh, and that's, looking over at the official UFC fight card, uh, the Quinlan uh, Witt matchup is now listed on the fight card as the okay, second that, fight of the night. It's a good fight. That kid, that kid Witt is very that, that's a that's a I I, I, I for. the expectation I think that most people have is that Josh Quinlan will knock him out. Yeah, but well, but just just a weird situation from last week of. You, well, know, you hear what happened? You hear what happened, right? It's it a like metabolite. Yeah, the the, the tr- was it the trace metabolites. Yeah, it was like a super minor. Yeah, but because like, he had passed, like I want to say, I think Novitsky said like thirteen drug tests. Mm, damn, against what you saw, that's a lot of drug tests. But that's because he failed one like a year ago. Right? He failed after a contender series. Oh damn! Yeah, he's minus two forty two. Because that that fight in the contender series ended up getting overturned to a no contest because of that drug test. Dude, and he he owned up to it. I remember he had a uh, an Instagram post right after it because so I was supposed to interview Josh about uh, man I don't know it was like probably like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and then uh, there there was a conflict that came up that he couldn't do it. But uh, so the this was uh, so this was after the drug test came out. Um, after contender series, it goes to my friends, family, to my friends, family, and fans. I am who I am and strive to be authentic and genuine in my life's pursuits and with the people around me. I did not try to hide my shortcomings. I take full responsibility for my actions and decisions I've made. Martial arts has blessed me with so much. And I responded by going astray in the pursuit to be great. Success in life doesn't carry any value. If you compromise your morals and values to get there, I was strive to be content. And then effort I put forth knowing I did with the energy God blessed me with. We are powerful beyond measure with a new creation every day. I will be grateful for the life that unfolds knowing I am walking with Christ. I apologize to my coaches, teammates, and friends that have supported me and guided me along this journey. I apologize to my opponents that feel I had unfair advantage in the cage. I apologize to the people that look to me as an example and inspiration. I am no better than anyone, but strive to be a better version of myself every day. We all stumble by encourage anyone who made a bad decision to forgive themselves and strive to do better. God renews our mind and body every day. And by his grace, we are made free. Life has its trials, but I believe we are placed here to learn and grow. This is not the end because who we begin, who we began great work in you will carry in competition. I love you. I love you and look forward to what the future holds. So that was back on October 21st, 2021. Damn. Damn. Yeah. He's been through some stuff, man, but Hey, you know, this is my, this is my big, uh, this is my big betting advice. I got two big betting tips, right? Here's the thing. I made zero dollars betting cause it's not legal in Texas, but I'm going to do a parlay. It's called the, uh, it wasn't our fault. The fight got canceled parlay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to, I would put a parlay on Kachuera and Jason Witt, who are both underdogs based on the whole premise. 
that it wasn't their fault. The fight got canceled a week ago, and their opponents are going through some some crap. Right? They're mentally distracted. <laughs> I think Ariana Lipsky has more issues going on because, like, well, did she like she just couldn't make weight, or she got sick, or something? So she got yeah, she got uh, she missed weight, and yeah. then on fight day, the doctors pulled her from the fight. Yes, if that happens a week later, I am not picking you to win your fight. So. And, and and with Quinlan, it, it's not like that happened. But yeah, I w- I'm, let's just see how this one plays. We got two dogs in a parlay, and it just it wasn't their fight. The fight got canceled, and a week later, it was rebooked. So let's see the statistics. Here's my other tip, brother. Marlon Vera, favorite against Dom Cruz. If you're gonna bet Marlon Vera, do not bet him until after the first round that he loses. <laughs> Okay, because he loses every damn first round of every fight. Wait until he loses the first round and then put some money down on Cheeto. Okay, I'll tell you a dog I do like on the UFC card is Devin Clark plus 120 over at BetMGM. Uh, looking kind of across the board, plus 125, plus 130. You can get a little bit better number there. So I did uh, you know, give you give a little inside how things work here. On Tuesday nights, I do Takedown City. It comes out. It actually just got released about 20 minutes ago. Okay. So... When I saw the odds on the main event for Dom Cruz and Marlon Vera, I was actually kind of surprised. I kind of like Dom Cruz in this fight. <laughs> I I thought I thought Cheeto would be the favorite. I did not think he would be as big of a favorite as he is. The one thing to me about Cheeto Vera is Rob Font was having some success in his last matchup. But Cheeto just took advantage of every opportunity that presented itself. And like it's it's one of these things for me with Dominic Cruz is what is Dom Cruz in 2022? You know, has have people figured out that fighting style? And I just like if you told me this was a three round fight, I think I would favor Dom Cruz. But the fact that it's a five round fight, I favor Marlon Vera. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those deals where Marlon's gonna probably lose round one, so that's that's why you got to favor to Cruz in the, in the first three. Cheeto Vera, this dude, like he's never quits, always foot on the gas, and he gets better as the fight goes on. Also, his stand up is so much fun to watch, and like he 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 can like lose two rounds and just kind of put you to sleep and, and put you down with his kicks and his elbows and whatnot. I'm picking Dominic Cruz in this fight, bro. I like Dominic Cruz. What I'm worried about maybe isn't so much Cheeto figuring him out as much as the uh, the, uh, the the physical advantage going in the favor of the 29-year-old versus a man who made his career up having a physical advantage over his opponents. And I still really like the, the skills of Dom Cruz on the feet, the game planning of Dominic Cruz, and the fight IQ of Dom Cruz. Those three things are big reasons why I think he's going to outpoint Cheeto Vera. Will his body fail him? Well, it's really been a trouble in the past. But with the San Diego crowd, I like Dom Cruz. You know, look, at the end of the day, this dude's 24-3. You know? he, Dom Cruz does not lose much. <laughs> yeah. I like him in this fight as an underdog. I know this looks like your stereotypical Joe Silva matchup, and maybe I'm wrong on this one, but I'm, going, I'm riding with Cruz. On the betting side, I like the prop bet. Marlon Vera wins by decision, plus 140. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, 
Uh, if, if, you, if you like Dom Cruz, just play the money line plus 200 plus 180, depending on the book you're at. Um, I, I wouldn't chase any props, but on the, the Vera side, I would chase some props there. Is there uh well, what do you think about this? So, uh, I would, I would put like five cents on your sharp via submission, uh, as an underdog against Bruno Silva. I don't know. I, I like Bruno Silva wins by knockout in that fight. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, look, I think Bruno's. You're gonna have a performance tonight. Yeah, night, but, but it, it, I, I did. I remember last night we were looking at it. Uh, Mershart via submission plus five fifty. He's now training down at Killcliffe FC, which is uh, the gym formerly known as Sanford MMA, which is kind of an interesting uh, switch him for there uh, in terms of that one. But uh, I will not be watching UFC live as uh, I got a game broadcast. You know, I got I got to be I got to be worried about what's going on air. I can't be worried about what's going on in the UFC event. I'll watch the UFC event after the fact. Uh, do plan to sit at home on Friday night and, and watch the Bellator show, and uh, I'll catch a little bit of the PFL show on Saturday before I head up to Raymond James Stadium. Uh, that main card is, I want to say, at 12 p.m. each time. I want to say the prelims start at 11 a.m., and then they got a main card at noon. Then I want to say the post limbs are at uh, 3 o'clock, I want to say. Okay. Well, hey, uh, it's going to be a lot of MA for 10 take. I think we're going to – both of us are going to get some heavy usage of our ESPN Plus app when we have downtime, so we'll probably get back and watch it. But, you know, I, I dig the time, and then – you know, I, I always love watching Bellator broadcast. I enjoy watching different PFL broadcast. Uh, you know, it's, we're gonna have a busy week, but I think um, it's safe to say we're both very excited for the following week. Okay. The, the, yeah. You know, there's something we did not talk about. Did you see Sam Alvey put, oh, yeah. the, put the meme I sent you in text message on his IG? Yeah. So for people who are not aware, I think we've all seen this Spice Adam meme where he's like behind a fence. And uh, the meme was uh, of him sitting there and it says Jake Paul waiting for the UFC to release Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey actually, Sam Alvey's like now calling for this matchup, which by the way, okay. I mean, look, he, he's got six children. I would think he wants this fight. Okay. Got- Did you see his uh, IG post uh, from the ambulance? No. So he, he uh, let me find the um, the caption. So it's of course it's him smiling in the ambulance. But here's a caption. Well, shit! I swear I used to be good. I lost <laughs> a step somewhere, but my family got to see me fight live. I'm fine with, I'm fine, but my pride hurts right now. Love you guys. Can I just say, if you have six children. Don't bring them to a fight where you're the biggest underdog on the prelim. Dude, <laughs> Sam Alvey got his ass beat, dude. <laughs> Poor Sam Alvey, who's an awesome, badass fighter with a great personality. But Michael Alexis and I, I don't know how to say his name. Yes. And I literally listened to the announcer say it multiple times. And I was like, I'm going to get this. I didn't. Michael just destroyed him. I mean, it was nonstop. He just went after him and, and put him down a couple times. Poor Alvy. Don't bring your kids to a fight where you're the biggest underdog on the prelims. Okay, like, like, look, I don't want to see Jake Paul, Sam Alvey, but damn, if it's a great way for Sam Alvey to get a big-ass payday, go yeah. get go get that bag, Sam Alvey. Go get that bag. The, the problem is Sam Alvey's not going to talk crap, which is what would probably make Jake Paul not interested in booking that fight. Right? You just smile at him. 
Yeah, that's not going to promote a fight. So I don't think Sam Alvey and Jake Paul – like it's hard to promote Sam Alvey and Jake Paul the way Alvey went out on the UFC. I mean he now holds the record I believe for most fights going winless. Not not a record you want, bro. That's not yeah. a record you want attached to your name. Yeah, what do you uh, – you know? Like what did he have on the UFC matchmakers to constantly keep getting fights? Well, he's a really nice guy and an exciting fighter. That goes a long way, you know. Exci- I well, don't know if I'd say exciting fighter. He's a stand-up fighter. Excuse me. But he's a counterfighter. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Maybe great personality. Maybe the way he treated people behind the scenes. And he was a pro UFC guy. He he was always very pro UFC. But like, I mean, God, yeah, it's just amazing how long. Um, yeah, you're, you're right to point out that he wasn't exciting. Not not that he was boring, but. Uh, in you know, he fought a whole crap load of times, and just looking quickly at Wikipedia, he only has two bonuses in terms of performance tonight. So, something uh, to kind of wrap up the show here this week. Uriah Hall announced his retirement today. Uh, he wrote a, a long post on Instagram where he said, "It was it is with great sadness that I'll be stepping away from the greatest sport in the world. I'm going to miss the incredible UFC staff that has become like family and the mentors I have met along the way. The UFC has given me the best opportunity to step completely outside my comfort zone throughout the years. I've gone up against some of the best in the world at the highest level. Although I did not achieve the rank of world champion." I've acquired some of the greatest achievements from mixed martial arts and that has been facing my fears and being a champion in life. I want to thank the incredible fans. You guys made the sport what it is today. It is important to have the right people around you that care about you, encourage you to become a better version of yourself. I want to thank my team, my coaches, my friends. And my family always standing by me. You you all have been the driving force that encourages me daily. Lastly, I want to specifically thank Dana White for giving me the opportunity to collide with modern day gladiators. Thank you for always supporting me through good and the bad to the next generation. You are the top 1% greatest athletes on the planet. It, you will be a pleasure to watch where you take this sport from here. I will be watching. Maybe think about. Uriah Hall. Well, ultimately, the thing everyone will remember about Uriah Hall yes. is him kicking the crap out of Adam Sella. Yeah, while you were reading that, I looked up his knockout of Adam Sella, and I just watched it. That's, yes, the answer is yes, Jason. The answer is, is the answer is Uriah Hall had the greatest knockout in the history of the Little Smith fighter, and him and Joaquin Buckley have two of the greatest knockouts I've ever seen in my life, right? Yeah. Like, Buckley's and then and ironically enough, you know, Buckley had a pretty rough one against Jericho. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those two knock. I mean, that Uriah Hall knock on Adam Shella, I just watched it. It made me happy. It was amazing. It's one of the best moments uh, in the history of the Ultimate Fighter. But the, the sad part is Uriah Hall fought Anderson the Spider Silva and he beat him. Uriah Hall was consistently a top 15 middleweight in the UFC. He had a good career. But Jason – 100%. The very first sentence is the knockout because it is one of the greatest knockouts in the history of the sport. Yeah, I mean, I, if if you were going to give me another defining moment of his career, I got to go back to 2015. He defeated Gegard Mousasi via stoppage. No, oh, I totally forgot about that, dude. Yeah, the flying knee knockout over Mousasi. Good call, man. Yeah. That's a good I one. Think, I, I think if I recall, man, this is this could be potentially crazy memory here. 
I think I was in Houston when that happened, and we were playing the Texans. Wow. Well, I know two things happened. One, you uh, that fight happened now, and y'all probably won the game. So congratulations. I'm, I'm just going to look up here. Buccaneers 2015 schedule. If we were in Houston, that is absolutely nuts. And my wife's going to go, you can remember that, but you can't remember anything else? Hey, man. It's a, ball is life. Yeah, the one thing I remember about Uriah Hall at the early part of his career is he came from that ring of combat promotion and he had a fight with uh, Chris Weidman. Dude, and, yes, we were in Houston September 27th. Wow. <laughs> September 20th. What, let's see, what year was that? 2015. Who won the game? Uh, uh, I just had it here a second ago. Where'd it go? Uh, Texans won 19 to 9. Was your quarterback Josh Freeman? Oh, you don't know? Let me, let me look up the stats. Uh, no, James Winston. James Winston was your quarterback in 2015? Yeah. Dude, time does not. Wow. I, dude, it was I thought week, week shot- three of the regular season. Dude, time flies. I have no sense of time. Like okay. I thought, Matt Schaub. I thought Matt Schaub and Arian Foster and Andre Johnson were playing for the Texans, and I thought uh, uh, Josh Freeman and like Larry Blunt and uh, I don't know. So, do you know who the Texans quarterback was that day? I, I've already. I've already oh, okay. <laughs> Ryan Mallet. Yeah. Dude, time flies. Man, dude, it's been a long time since the Texans have been like, well, I guess Deshaun Watson in a couple good years, but then, you know. Uh, damn. That was 2015? Yeah, 2015. Jeez, geez Louise, dude. Time flies by so quickly. I didn't realize Nuke was on our team at that point. Wow. Yeah, that's a shocker. Time flies, my man. Dude. Yeah, I've been doing this since 2004, bro. <laughs> There, there's games I can remember from back in the, those years that, you know, no one else would remember. Yeah, I can't believe you uh, you did that back when they had the ham radio. <laughs> we actually have a ham radio in our gear to, uh, I don't think I've ever used it to listen to the, the on-air broadcast. But that's what you could use it for? Yeah, but now, sure. now everything's so digital that you, yeah. you can just pull it off of various things. Yeah, pretty nifty. Yeah. 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 Uh, when, yeah. when I started, we uh, we used ISDN as our transmission. Mm-hmm. ISDN pretty much does not exist anymore. And uh, now we're now we use IP codecs. Damn. Yeah. It, it's crazy how fast things change and and whatnot and just think of what it was like for the dude in 1984 you know they were they were they were they were they were throwing up the antenna (laughs) you know you know having a truck downstairs and then you were feeding that audio downstairs to go to the truck and yeah technology is a crazy thing dude yeah god only knows what it's going to look like in 2044 you know but uh yeah you're just hoping you're when you're doing tv you don't gotta run a billion pounds of cable yeah, I'm just hoping that uh, you know that we won't have to wear like uh, I don't even know like some type of suit to keep us cool in the 147 degree weather <laughs> in Texas, you know. Or uh, we'll probably have all the football games played in the new helmets they got going on for the uh, for the, uh, the the high impact guys, which you know. I just feel like that's awesome they have those helmets, but they got to make those designs look killer next time, you know. Because they look a little goofy, but 
you know, anything to help with the head trauma is a plus. Dude, I, I just I don't know what it's like in Texas, man, but here in Florida, I swear it gets hotter every year. I swear it does. I've lived here all my life, bro. I, I feel like it gets hotter every year. It does get hotter every year. I feel like my AC is out in my car, and it takes me an hour to get from work to my house. So driving home from work absolutely sucks. Oh, dude, that is that it's is like brutal. A, like I, I saw this thing Ariel put on thing about how no no AC, and I'm like, yeah, coming from a man who lives up north, come live in the south, bro, and see how much you love that AC. Yeah, I bet your tone will change real goddamn quick. Yeah, I would. I would commit crimes to have AC in my car. Yeah, and then and yeah. the, every time I hear someone say they like their steak, you know, well done. Like, what is wrong with you? We, we, we can't go out and have dinner together, bro. If, if you sit there and you, and, and you order a steak and, and if we go to a place that's an expensive steak and you order that thing well done, get up and leave, bro. Yeah. It's like that, that, that is, you cannot do that to that steak. We, we, we need at, at worst case, medium, medium rare. That, that's the way a steak needs to be cooked. Mm-hmm. Well done. You should have just asked for the kids menu. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Do not go like like. Do not go to a steakhouse and get a nice piece of meat that might cost you fifty, sixty bucks, and say well done. Yeah, yeah, like, I agree with you. That that's a waste of money. It is, it is, and it's offensive to the cow that that was murdered. I, I don't like to look at it in that way. <laughs> you know, they lived a good life. By the way, I did have some damn good chicken wings on Saturday night. Hey, we love to hear it, my man. We love to hear chicken wing action. There, there's a, there's a, it's a new spot kind of by the house. And uh, the thing, like, uh, I love garlic parm wings. I love garlic parm wings. But, like, I just love when they just pile on those, that sauce onto it. And they just kind of, you know, it's right there at the bottom. You kind of dip that sauce into it. Mm. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I mean, I like some spice in my wings, but I have some respect for garlic parm wings, you know? Uh, I, I love all kinds of wings, but that, that sounds like a good thing. And I agree with you. I love dipping it into the excess sauce. It's on the, the bottom of the plate. I mean, that's just next level. Well, let's just say the first place I was at, they were doing care crappy. Yeah, bro. Some people do not need to hold a microphone. <laughs> Dude. By the way, what did you say? Care crappy? Care crappy. It's not karaoke. It's care crappy. <laughs> The hell's that? Okay, how many times have you gone into a, a place that's doing karaoke and you said all these musicians are damn good? Never. <laughs> you, you get like one or two. Yeah. And then yeah. you just, there was just some people, I'm like, oh my God, this is just not good. Yeah, we, alcohol doesn't I was like, help. check please. Server <laughs> 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 goes, is that bad? How I go, bro? Are you not listening? Yeah, man. I know you're flinging drinks back here, bro. But how can you <laughs> not hear this? You got to put in those drinks, and those drinks will make it sound better. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a uh, care crappy. It does actually sound like a great name. Oh man, I mean, I mean, look, there are some. I can, uh, look, there are some very good karaoke singers out there. Where I live, I feel like there's not many good ones. Yeah, well, and it's usually know. the same songs. What are the hits? Like, look, if you go on Spotify, there is a playlist out there, very popular playlist. 
is simply titled um, Songs That Excite White People. Yeah. That's pretty much a karaoke list. <laughs> I'm assuming Since You Be Gone is one of them. Oh, yeah, bro. Yeah. Mm. Back when I was in college, uh, there was a bar we'd go to on Thursday nights, and my boy would uh, do karaoke. And he's and he's a very good singer. But he, he only had one genre of music he would sing. Boy band. Oh my god, that's a hit, man! That's a hit. That's gonna that's gonna make the card the crowd go wild. Uh, yeah, it was a hit, bro. I love it. I love it. I, I swear, he just collected numbers. Just collected numbers. It's smart man. Smart man. <laughs> yeah, if I was gonna do karaoke, I'd probably sing "Face the Pain." You know, it's a it, song that really means a lot to me. Could you imagine you go to International Fight Week? You find a karaoke bar on the strip, and you just go to the guy. You got face the pain, bro. <laughs> that would be a hit. That would you'd be living with some numbers. Just that uh, literally. Now here's what you do. Me and you go out there. We go. We go to a karaoke bar where we know MA Media's at. Yeah. And you just go to the karaoke. Go, hey man, how do I get to the front of the list? How much it cost? <laughs> Hundred bucks. All right, here you go. And just Wait. let that music hit. Yeah, man. You think yeah. like that's a data white bat signal? He's like, yeah. He just hears it somewhere and he gets after it. He's just ready to, <laughs> you know, give you a hundred thousand dollars. I don't think that. I don't think face paint ever goes away. It's iconic. Yeah, it's, it's iconic. It's it's. Uh, Here's my question. I wonder if face paint gets royalties every event that plays at, or did they sell that song to the UFC? Uh, they must have sold the song to the UFC. They I wonder how much they. Get. I would hope they they got money because God, good lord, that th- song has been played out. Have they made any other songs that band stem? I, you're asking the wrong person, uh, bro. You're asking the wrong I'm person. Gonna go to, I'm gonna go to the gym right now and uh, I'm gonna listen to. Uh, I'm gonna listen to Stem and see. Stem only has fourteen thousand followers on Facebook. That's not good, have, bro. They have ten likes on their most recent Facebook post. Well, the thing would be is how many how many Facebook or uh, Spotify streams do they have? They only have one thousand followers on Twitter. They have a hundred and two thousand monthly listeners. Damn. And of course, number one song, Face the Pain. Face the Pain. God, I love it. Face the Pain was released in twenty twelve. Damn. Damn, we gotta. I'm gonna listen to some Face of the Pain today. Let's see how long. So how long okay, I, so I found their bio here on Spotify. Stem wrote the UFC theme song "Face the Pain" in 2003, branding the rock hard heavy metal band as a soundtrack to the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Through 14 years of independent success, Stem released multiple further efforts. Da, 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 da. The band's band's reputation in the mixed martial arts world has landed stem on every UFC-related television program and video game, Face the Pain, song placement on the Kevin James Here Comes the Boom movie, and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Sega's Iron Man 2, UFC's Undisputed, EA Sports MMA, EA Sports UFC, 
Stem has also been tapped to play various Rockstar Energy Drink Mayhem tour events and other national tours over the years. Wow. I wonder if they hate that song at this point. No, I'm sure they love it, man. It's their meal ticket. If it's the, if it's the meal ticket, they got to love that shit. They got to love that, man. Like you think you think if Chuck Liddell walked into a STEM concert, do you think he requests Face the Pain? He doesn't need to request it because I guarantee you it's they play that song five times in their set. Oh, God. It's such a yeah. Oh, God. It's not going away. No, I'd, ra- I'd rather listen to Bob O'Reilly uh, montage they do before pay-per-views. I think that's that's cool what they do. I haven't even seen that they do that. Yeah, they, awesome. do a, they do a mo- uh, in-arena montage uh, of Bob O'Reilly um, with various UFC highlights. If you go on YouTube, you can see fans have posted various uh, videos of stuff they do. We'll it's very cool. Right. I'm going to give that a watch right now. So, but uh, of course, we appreciate everyone tuning in here for the MA Report podcast. Of course, uh, next episode come out on Sunday. I've got a, a range of interviews I'm doing over the next couple of days. So, those will be on Sunday's podcast. I'm working on one big interview. We'll see if that one comes together. I'm not going to quite say that name yet, but let's just say uh, no commodity in the UFC that I'm trying oh, to get yeah. on the show. So, but that is going to do it for this edition of the MA Report podcast. Appreciate you uh, tuning in. Of course, uh, rate, review, subscribe, follow, all that stuff helps out a ton as well. So that's going to do it for this episode, and I will talk to you on Wednesday on the next episode of the MMA Report Podcast.